Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Pip Brett is a die-hard colour lover, a self-confessed failed minimalist, and has one motto, more is more and less is a bore. Pip launched her first business at 21 in a very small store in her hometown of Orange in Central West, New South Wales. When a shopfront became available for lease right next door to Pip's boutique clothing store Igloo, it was more than a sign. Without a clue of what she would stock, Pip signed the lease and Jumbled began. Jumbled is now an award-winning homeware store filled with inspiration, colour and Australian design. Igloo and Jumbled, along with a coffee shop, are now all together in one building called The Sonic, an 1864 old Masonic hall that Pip and her husband Nick renovated in just eight weeks. Earlier this year, Pip hosted The Huddle, a women in business event which saw 450 women converge on Orange for a weekend of inspiration. Pip shares with us her startup story, why she loves her regional hometown of Orange, collaborations with brands like Society of Wanderers, Sage and Claire, and Robert Gordon, how her business is surviving the coronavirus pandemic, and so much more. Meet my friend Pip from Jumbled. Welcome, Pip, and thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. I'm really excited to have you, actually. Um, First of all, once this ISO business is all over and we can travel further than our corner store, I've got a list of places I want to visit. So I've got Byron Bay, Wagga Wagga, and Orange, your hometown. Good. They sound, that sounds like a fun road trip. It does. Yeah. Fun road trip, no kids. So tell me what's special about Orange and what your top three places I should visit when I do come. Oh, well, number one, the Sonic, where we are. Of course. Um, <laughs> no, Orange is, you know, we're four hours west of Sydney. We're in the central west in New South Wales. And um, it's just such a beautiful town. I've lived here my whole, I was born here. I've lived here my whole life. I just went to boarding school and uni in Sydney. But um we get the four seasons and currently all the leaves are changing and falling off and, you know, we had apparently there was snow on the mountain on the weekend. It's just not only is it a very beautiful place to live but um, the community's so lovely and supportive as well and um, there's so many cool things going on in Orange. So if you came for the weekend or a week, there's just you know, I could give you the longest list of wonderful things to do. And, you know, I think you often take for granted where you live, but definitely Mm. in ISO, I just, has. it's just been, I feel so lucky and blessed to live here. We've been doing beautiful bushwalks and it's just lovely to be able to be outside and in the open air. And I just keep thinking, oh, thank gosh, we're not in Sydney or in a big city or, um, you know, life logistics are really easy out here as well yeah but when you come so my top three business I won't include us but I would say you know stay somewhere really beautiful we've got a beautiful new hotel that's just opened up called the Bing Street Boutique Hotel and they've renovated this really really old two-story mansion like that's I think so over 100 years old and it just looks so fabulous and the they're the loveliest people so I'd say go there I would also say you'd need to get gelato from Spilt Milk, which has just opened up down the road from us and it's like phenomenal gelato. I now can't have normal ice cream. And, (laughs) oh, the third one I would say um, a winery. So I would send you probably um, to Philip Shaw to get some sparkling and some delicious rosé and they do pizzas on Friday nights. Like, yeah, that's where I'd send you. Oh, sounds good. 
added to the list. Good, Count me in. Good. <laughs> Not sure how long this will be, but gosh, I just cannot wait to get on the road. I feel like with when all of this is over, regional tourism's going to go gangbusters. I agree. Like I've already, I've got a list of places I want to go and stay at um, when all of this is over. Also, so yeah, I think I think you know, Orange in the long run, even though it's been a really tough time, I think. Um, it'll end up being a bonus, hopefully. Yeah. Now you did mention, obviously you grew up in Orange and then moved to the city in uh, Sydney to study fashion. Like what drew you back home to the country? Yeah. I wanted to open a clothing store first um, and I was trying to work out um, where I would put it. And so I was thinking of Sydney, like Kilvelli, Bondi, um, but then I came home and saw this beautiful shop for lease and I just felt like at the time there was a real need for it out here. Like there are lots of regional clothing and homeware stores now, but back 15 years ago or whatever it is, um, maybe not that many years, it um, there wasn't really the offering that there is now. And so I just felt like there was a real um a need for it and also my husband reminded me last night it was probably him that made all of this happen so he was working out in orange even though he's not from here as an agronomist and um that was probably the the push that got me over the line to move back home but I've li- we've literally never looked back I just um can't imagine living anywhere else other than orange and I'm sure lots of people think that about where they live but um yeah we're super happy here and you know and there was regionally it was pretty tricky to pick up brands at the start um lots of fashion brands wouldn't let me stock them um but as soon as one came on board um sass and bide they had a girl who lived in Forbes was working for them and she convinced them that it was a good decision that there's this huge market of people out here that love fashion but they just couldn't get their hands on it um and so once I got one brand you know it was easier to get all the others and some of the ones that said no initially came asking me a couple of years later or you know to take them on but I do hold a grudge a little bit. So I was like, no, sorry, <laughs> I've moved on from that. But um, I think being regionally based was definitely a um, – and being at the at the start of the movement I think um, was a benefit to us, yeah. Now when you mentioned uh, just how hard it was, the challenge of getting uh, some brands on, like I know that that problem still exists for some regional and rural uh, businesses. It's just – unbelievable oh it just makes me so mad that makes me so you know I think um fashion is definitely not as nice an industry as like the homewares and design sort of industry um and I think that regional stores are actually kicking goals over a lot of the bigger city stores because you know we can have bigger spaces we can um often get a bigger offering because we don't have as much competition in our town. So you can get, you know, if you're allowed to get it, you can get what you want. But I think regional communities support regional business as well. And I don't know if that's the same, if there's that same feeling towards um, businesses in the city, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Um, Yeah. But I, I also think those brands are, I had the same thing said to me the other day. Um, I won't mention the brand. It's a homewares brand. And she said, when I sell to regional stores, I try and get them to pick the more conservative, less bright stuff to go a bit safer. And I was like, oh, why is that? And she was just like, I just think out there, there isn't a market for it. And I was just, I was like, you need to come and, um, you need to come and visit and see your stockers because I don't think you understand, you know, I just think being us being regional has never really held us back except for that first initial year probably trying to convince people. I found the email that I sent around to people trying to get them to come on board and it was super, super cringeworthy but it is really tricky starting from scratch 
and trying to convince people of your idea and your vision because I guess so many businesses don't do so well that it is hard um, for businesses to take a gamble on you, especially if they are making stock or getting stock in for you. And um, yeah, so I get it in that respect, but I think to think that um, regional people don't love design and fashion as much as city people is just so not right. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. There's just this perception that we're still country bumpkins, which is so infuriating. I know. It's um, funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, yeah, that's why the magazine is, you know, focused on women in business like yourself from regional and rural Australia. That's just to showcase that we have these amazing, intelligent, you know, inspiring, driven women in our regions doing amazing things and creating stuff and selling. And it's just, yeah more people that need to know about it and Instagram is fantastic for that to really show up and say hey this is who we are look at us and I think your magazine is so at such a timely time you know as well with I was talking to Grace Brennan from Buy From The Bush and we were talking about why is it there's there's so many people doing cool especially women doing cool things in business in regional Australia and I think it's because it to live out here, you kind of have to make a life for yourself. You know, in Sydney, they would they would have great jobs. They would be working probably for someone else doing exceptionally well. But I think if you um, fall in love with the farmer or, you know, or you want to fall in love with the lifestyle out here, you sort of, you're forced to um, think outside the box. And especially with the drought that we've just had and now Corona and I think this new wave of... Um, cool things will come out of this as well yes it will cannot wait to see what people um create now I think you have an amazing superpower of being able to pull together all these colors patterns textures goodies all of that that necessarily wouldn't go together but they do they shine and they sing and that's sort of what you've brought to to Jumbled, which is your second business. Yes, yes, yeah. Jumbled's just really, I'm a colour lover. I come from a long line of coloured lovers and mum says that she's a failed minimalist and I probably am as well. Um, you know, Jumbled is a is a jumbled mix of everything that I love all in one spot and that's just sort of how it's um, evolved. It wasn't a conscious decision to be colourful and have pattern and things like that. It's just sort of evolved over time and we sort of have a motto at um, work that more is more, less is a bore. We sort of um, max it out really but that's what, you know, I feel like it's all about joy and making people happy and you want to be excited and yeah it's the simple things in life really which is yeah not doing anything groundbreaking it's just um about joy I think really mm. but it's the beautiful building you're in as well yes, uh, yeah. the sonic yeah. yeah so tell me how did that all come about how did you sort of go from launching igloo at say 21 being able to sustain that business right up until today because it's obviously still open still running mm-hmm pop a second business on there and put it in this beautiful old building um, and make it what it is. Yeah, so Jumbled um, had sort of outgrown. It was in a really tiny, tiny little store and when people would come and visit, they would say, oh, oh, it's a lot smaller than what I thought it would be. And I'm like, oh, I try really hard on Instagram. I'd be like standing up on the counter trying to use my like one little piece of white like patch of um, table and things like that. But we sort of outgrew there and we were trying to work out what what our next move was. And my husband, who's also now a builder, he was walking the dog one night and there's an old Masonic hall right off the main street in town and it's this beautiful building with big pillars and um, really yeah, as a kid, it was a very spooky looking building with long grass and it has the sort of that eye motif up in the top of the seat on the top front facade. And um, he worked out it was for sale. It didn't have a sold sign, a for sale sign up, but it was in the real estate's window next door. And he said, he came home and he's like, I think I found you your new building. 
Anyway, we went and looked at it the next day and there was a clothing factory in there at the time. So it was like screen printing tables and embroidery and, you know, tracksuit pants and high vis as high as, you know, the eye could see. And um, we got up into the roof and saw the beautiful old beams and I was like, we just have to get this. And we totally overextended ourselves, but we bought it. And um, the tenants, they needed to be in there for a year because they had to build another building for themselves. And um, at the time, I found that really frustrating and upsetting because I just wanted to be in there straight away. But it actually ended up being the best thing because we could save to actually renovate it and have a really good plan. And um, we got Studio Aesthetic in Melbourne, our architects to help us. And once we, with that plan, we were able to do it in, I think it was like eight weeks, the renovation and on a really, really tiny budget. So we needed, we definitely needed that. And then, um, you know, we opened and it just sort of, it was so refreshing not opening a new business. It was like lovely opening a business that already had followers and customers and and literally Orange was just so lovely and supportive that we opened the doors in the middle of the day because I was just like let's just open because I just can't do this for one more day you know and we put it out on Instagram and 20 minutes later the shop was like just packed and humming and I just like my husband walked in, he'd been out at the skip bin doing something and he walked in with no shoes on. He's like, oh, my God, what has happened? And it's just sort of been crazy ever since then. I feel like that was a real turning point for our business where we're probably taken a bit more seriously and um, I guess we had the space to do stuff as well. But, yeah, the building's just um, it's so great. Yeah, we love the Sonic. Yeah, and it it does feel, looking on Instagram, it does feel that it is all filled with joy and everything sort of on the way up, up, up. Like what have been the challenges though in in launching those businesses? As you said, you've overextended yourself. Was there a lot of stress that came with that? Um, Yeah, how did you sort of work through that that period? I feel like um, the, the first three years of the clothing store was like quite probably the first two years were quite horrific and stressful in terms of just, you know, I'd get someone to work for me on a Saturday and and they wouldn't even make a single sale and I'd be at a wedding and I'd think, oh, my God. You know, that was, that was really stressful. But I didn't think that it wouldn't work. Like there was no point where I thought I'm going to have to close or anything like that. It was just, it was just hard. And then I think probably since then, um, you know, overextending ourselves, I think, you know, in terms of that, I think we've always been calculated and we've got a really good relationship with our bookkeeper and accountant. So we haven't done anything super silly and the money thing you know, I probably more lie awake at night worrying about um, staffing or, yeah, the people that work for me, whether they're happy um, or worrying about customers, um, whether their things got to them or whatever. I, You know, the money thing, which is probably my downfall, but I feel like that's more the thing that I lie awake at night worrying about is my probably my staff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um. What is your business superpower then? What part of business do you find you excel in and then what parts are you not so great at? That's a really good question. Um, I think my um, business superpower would be maybe the ideas. I feel like, my, you know, the second I hop in the shower, I I fall into this time warp and – I come up with these fabulous ideas somehow. They just come to me and I get out of the shower and I text Jess, my right-hand girl, and I'm like, you're going to hate me, but I've just thought of this this idea. Um, so I think that would be one. And being in a small business, you can be, you know, the best thing is that you can be nimble and I guess just giving things a try, just not thinking that will fail, Um 
is probably the superpower that we have. Yeah, just giving things a go, coming up with the idea and just trying them because it doesn't really matter. And if that doesn't work, that's okay. The things I'm not so good at, obviously, is, um, you know, probably the accounting side of things. But I would say that um, I find managing people quite hard. You know, we've got a really beautiful tight-knit team and I've I've had over the years when I was in retail in Sydney, I just I had some wonderful people that I worked for, but I also had some really shocking people and I thought I never want to be like them. And then so I feel that extra stress in that I really want to create this workplace where everyone's happy and everyone feels involved and um it's wonderful and lovely, but at the same time, there's a lot of expectations that come with that as well. If people feel left out and I don't know, I just find that's worrying about if everyone's happy, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Staff's a big thing. I, I couldn't imagine. I've not had staff and I just couldn't imagine, uh, yeah, having to manage them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very direct as well and I'm trying to be um, a bit more direct about what I want instead of trying to be nice and get around it. But you know what? I have like the best staff. Selena's been in the igloo has been with me for 10 years and Jess I think for six or seven and, you know, I rely on I rely on them so much and um, they're just – yeah, just amazing. Even Jess, yesterday we, um, we've just done a collaboration with Robert Gordon doing ceramics and it's the, the samples arrived yesterday, which was almost in tears. Like it's just, it's just so exciting to see um, in real life what we designed together and it come together and that she feels, you know, you want your staff to be into it as much as you are mm. and lots and lots aren't. But um, the yep. ones that stick with you that are just invest, uh, invested as much as you are I think is a really, um, a really lucky thing to find, yeah. Yeah. And talking about collaborations, I did see the sneak peek of uh, Robert Gordon and it looks amazing. So exciting. <laughs> Yeah, can't keep a secret. Pip. I know, um, I know. It's, it's I was hilarious. Like, should I, I should I not? And Jess was like, why not? Just put yeah, it up. Just and I'm do like, it. Oh, okay. All right. I will. Yeah. Twist my arm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to share in that excitement. So um I was just thinking, um, so yeah, when you mentioned collaborations and you know and, and partnerships, mm-hmm. is that a big part of your business? And and if so, how does that work? I think um I would like it to be more a part of our business. I guess we started off, I think our first one was last year with um, Society of Wanderers and we did, we had this great leopard print that we've been selling for a couple of years, printed linen, and I've always said, wouldn't it be great if this linen could have a little bit of dusty pink and some khaki on it as well? And Jess was like, should we ask them? I'm like, yeah, let's send send them an email. And they said yes straight away. And that was a big success. And the same happened with Sage and Claire and the Nudie Rudy bath mat. And that just went gangbusters. And I think we really realised that, you know, out in the marketplace, we really needed to have a point of difference. We were going to trade fairs and, you know, we're all selling from the same small pool of um, brands. And so we decided... um, last year to focus on, you know, creating our own product through collaborations, but also, you know, really focusing on original art and, um, yeah, trying to differentiate ourselves, but also keep ourselves, you know, really exciting. We ended up doing um, a collaboration with the fashion brand SWF and we did a dress, you know, like it's actually the options are limitless and my advice to people would be just to ask, like ask the brand, ask the business, um, you know, they don't need to be, you know, if you're a small jewellery maker, you might collaborate with a local photographer or you might, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to ring up Nike and 
us to do something with them. It's like I think the best collaborations work when it's beneficial to both parties and that it's exciting and um, ignites all your creative juices but but that, um, you know, you can share, utilise one another's skills and knowledge. Like with Robert Gordon, there's no way we would have been able to go, oh, I'd love to create our own dinnerware set. Like where do you even start? So, so great to, um, you know, someone's already done the hard work for you but how do you help them as well? So I think, um, yeah, that's where I I um, have been getting the most joy from of late and, um, yeah, I can't wait to do more bits and pieces but when that all just starts coming together, I just, um, yeah, that's just – and that's literally from I was on the House of Style podcast and they said, what's your dream collaboration? I said I would love to have my own dinnerware you know, beautiful ceramics inspired by, you know, Morocco and um, and literally Kate from Robert Gordon was listening to the podcast and sent me a text oh and I like gosh. almost fell off my chair. Oh. It's just, um, yep. yeah, so I think just throwing things out well, there. There's something in that mm. if you, yeah, speak your dreams out loud. So if there is something that you want or need or aspire, just speak them out loud. You never know who's listening. I know. That is insane. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Crazy. Yeah. I'm going to have to remember that for the next podcast and <laughs> think about the things that I need and just drop them in all oh, the time. Oh, I know. You have to Speak wait. it out to the universe. Totally, totally. Um, so with the collaboration, say with Robert Gordon, how does that work though? Like what do you offer them? So, uh, you know, are you locked in for a specific quantity that you have to sell or – yeah, I suppose with exchange of value, what do you bring then? So I guess let's say for Robert Gordon, for instance, um, so what we would bring is, you know, our designs, our ideas and the, and the look, which is quite different to what they're currently doing. But then we're also bringing our audience, like our followers our um, and our customers. So what you know, now we've got quite a good social media following. So you, you're locked in with um, inventory um, that you need to purchase from them and um, they're pretty much just you would be buying product off them anyway and but it's just uniquely for you. So it also works for them as well that it opens up other collaboration opportunities, it introduces their brand to a different audience in a different way or their existing audience in a new way you know I plan on shooting this in a really beautiful way and presenting it and um, you know even when my new house has been done I just you know I, I envision a lot coming from this hopefully that I'll be able to give them value from it too but I also think you know Kate at Robert Gordon it's been such a joyous um process to be able to be designing it together and then you know I think what comes out in the end was just is so beautiful that um you know it's just nice to do different things at work and be challenged in a different way so hopefully I can bring them value as as they've also bought me value yeah definitely and as you said like it is such a unique um style that you've brought to to Robert Gordon. So I can't wait to see when it's all on the shelves and it just sort of fly out your door. It looks amazing. I hope so. I just can't wait for my own set. You know, if my kids break one, I'll kill them. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, speaking of collaborations, one huge really was a collaboration was an event that you held earlier this year. Um, I still have some serious FOMO over it because (laughs) I wasn't able to come and I tried really hard. I just couldn't. Look, I was even bringing the kids at one point just to try and work the logistics of the family. Uh, But, yeah, you hosted the huddle. Pretty much 450 women converged on Orange. Um, They probably just didn't know what. Yeah, what happened to them that weekend? Oh, Orange was just a buzz. It was so wonderful in town. Um, yeah, I don't think Orange knew what hit it. But um, and the 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 women that kept, it was an all um, women's event, and um, 
yeah, it was just so amazing. I'm still on a high from that. Oh, yeah. you should be. Um, so let's go back a little bit. Like how did that all come together? This was probably um, more of a, a longer-term dream that I'd had when I, you know, I'd go, I think any time I meet another business owner, I love chatting to them shop, you know, like, you know, anyone, I love chatting to them. And when we were renovating the Sonic and I was at peak stress, we were just about to open in like a week and um, the bank, they invite you to things when you've borrowed too much money and they invited me to um, Women in Focus up in Noosa for four days and it was, I think it was like 200 women and they were just speakers for the, and um it was just so amazing. Everyone I met was amazing. Like, you know, when you just sit down at any meal and the person either side of you has the most interesting story to tell or, um, yeah, so I think that planted the seed that I was like, this would be so cool in orange. Like, mm. And then I also take tours to Morocco twice a year with Julia Green from Greenhouse Interiors and I we always go to bed at night just saying gosh everyone just has a story don't they and I think on the um one of the trips last year there were just um some really amazing women that made me sort of go gosh you know I'm so lucky that I get to learn and hear from all these people um Tracy Blundy was on one and her her and her brother have lots and lots of businesses like sanity and bras and things and all sorts of amazing things and she was just meeting her made me go look people need to be listening to people like her you know and the drought was so bad and we were trying to work we just donated money from an artwork and I was like I feel like we need to do something more like something that will help more rather than just donating coffees to a cafe in Walgett. We've got to do something. I don't know. And I was like, I think it might be time to do a business event in Orange. It'll help Orange. We'll have them here for the whole weekend, show off our town. Like we'll just get all of our favourite people in one room and people can hear from them. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll just do it. So I think in October we decided to do that. And then in November we went on sale with our tickets and in Feb, it happened in Feb and it was just, it sold out and, um, yeah, it was amazing and, yeah, it was just um, the energy in the room was really beautiful and and that came through on social media. I mean, if if you're to look at the images that are tagged on your Instagram account, um, if you look up the you know the hashtag that you were using that weekend, there was so much. Um, that people were enjoying and loving and you could feel that energy, that vibe. Um, yeah, it was, oh, as I said, serious FOMO. Um, just an interesting little fact. One of the images that I've shared on the Oak Instagram account was from the huddle and it is the most popular post that I have shared. <laughs> that's so good. So there you go. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yep. Like, yeah, the it's the benefits from that event have been um, just so wide-ranging and amazing. Like it was great for town at a time when we're in a really bad drought. It also, you know, it inspired a lot, a lot of people to do what they were thinking about doing or gave them courage to keep going or they just met. People have collaborated since that Um yeah, it was just, I can't believe it actually we were able to pull it off because we're just a really tiny team and we hadn't really done in, an event at all before and, you know, like it probably wasn't 100% perfect but we aimed really high. And I think, you know, we were already planning on doing our next one. We locked in dates and currently they're still sitting there for September but I don't know if, you know, we contacted our dream mentors and it was a lot easier. People said yes a lot quicker this time. But, um, you know, I think after corona, this is what everyone will need again. Um, but we just have to wait and see how this is all going to play out. But there is plans to definitely do it again, but bigger, not not necessarily bigger. I mean, I mean, I mean better. I mean better. 
more amazing and if you did come previously you would get even more this next time you know yeah but not necessarily bigger I just think um you know 450 is a lot of people and what is yeah yeah. yeah. Um, no, we need more of these types of events in regional and rural areas, Pip. Um, I know myself, Melbourne's only two hours down the road, uh, but it's a long two hours, you know. Some of their events, their women in business events uh, kick off at seven in the morning. Uh, it's just, I just can't make seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> to an event like that. It's um, it's disheartening actually because, yeah, you miss out on on that um, that connection, as you said, the knowledge, the courage, the inspiration that you get from that. Um, yeah, you'd need those in-person events and to have them in regional and rural areas is amazing. Lots of people flew from like we had people from Perth, Brisbane, um, like now Orange is such a good regional um, centre that you can fly from here but um, to most places. But yeah, that was the thing that sort of blew. At the time um, when the tickets sold, only 49 of the 450 people were local. And at the time that made me really sad. Like I felt like we weren't supported by the local community sort of in a way or I don't, I don't know, but it really upset me. But the girls, all the other girls were like, what are you talking about? Like this is what we actually wanted. We wanted people to come to Orange we wanted people to come and visit and experience it and, you know, to get 401 women from like around Australia to come is so amazing. You know, that's amazing. And then as soon as it finished, so many orange people were like, oh, I just had severe foam. I'm definitely coming next year. But I also think the people that um, supported us that first time around as well will definitely be offered tickets first as a as a loyalty thing, as a, wow, you took a chance on us and spent your hard-earned money with us when we had like zero experience at running an event. But, um, yeah, it was totally one of my highlights of my whole life. Yeah. But people can still listen to all those amazing famous friends that you had there uh, through obviously your podcast, Jumbled Has a Chat. So if they did miss out, you still did an amazing thing in terms of marketing. You created a piece of content and repurposed it. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Can live through that for the moment. Yeah. There's Um, still lots of things that some of the guests said that I think about all the time. Like I just think, oh. Yeah, that's so right, you know. So I think um, you only need to hear one thing um, at an event or on a podcast or in a magazine that can literally change your life or the way you do business or um, or the way, yeah, the way you think about things like Jane from Bird's Nest in Kuma, she said, um, when in doubt, be generous. And I just think that is just such a good thing for life in general, but also for your work. But everything I think oh it's so good yeah Mm, amazing story so we have touched on coronavirus a little bit uh you know like how are you supporting and connecting your community and obviously other business owners uh through insta at the moment Mm. I think um you know those first couple of weeks were really dreadful and stressful and we were just trying to um survive I guess and we decided I think the first day of um, lockdown that we do a small business tip every day on Instagram and that's been really really fun so it might be from me or one of my staff or um, you know someone that I know might give us one Um, and that's been a really lovely thing and the response back's been really great but I think um We've just tried to stay really positive and joyful on it and um, I guess we've also just fast-tracked our podcast to because we thought that, you know, during everyone needed a little bit of um, ISO inspo and I know lots of people have got time now to listen to podcasts so we just did Jumbled Loves a Chat with Rachel Castle and that was, um, she has so many cracking pearls of wisdom so that was really good so we're just trying to do that and within our local community sharing what other cool things people are doing like 
I find it really fascinating the way certain businesses have been able to pivot and evolve. You would probably have that in Bendigo as well, Um, you know, restaurants doing home delivery and all sorts of amazing things that I feel like when we do come out of this that, um, you know, there might be new income streams and things like that. But And I think that's what it pushed you to do at some point for some of us was, wow, I just lost a whole income stream. Mm -hmm. Um, What can I do? Like how you you really get gritty, I suppose, and go, right, how do I make money? What else can I create, um, make or sell that is going to bring in some money? I feel like um, there's silver linings to all of this as well. Um, whether people can see it now or not. I feel like a few weeks in I was able to see it and I feel like it was probably the um, the thinking space that I needed, even though we've been really lucky that we've had online. So I during the drought and the huddle, I was saying to people, you've got to get online or think of how you can because it drought proofs your business, it virus proofs your business. It just it is like having a different income stream but um I feel like it gave us there's been things that I've wanted to do that you know when when you get stuck doing your business day to day the nitty-gritty that you don't get a chance to step back a little bit and I always come up with my ideas yeah in the shower or on holidays and unfortunately I'm not on an Italian beach or something like that but I feel like it's given me the time to um re-evaluate the business altogether and the way we do it. I also, you know, I think back, I don't even know how long this has all gone on for, like I've lost track of the weeks, but I don't want to make all of that horrible stress with staff and with um, everything be for nothing. Like I want to come out of it when I reopen that it's new, it's different, it's better, hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Pip, would this be one of the hardest challenges in business so far? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And lots of decisions I feel like in that first week or two had to be made really quickly because I feel like those decisions that we made led to the survival of the business that, um, you know, and with staff and things like that, there's just so many things at play but I think I I actually impressed myself a little bit in that I was really um, proactive and decisive. I didn't, um, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have been as good if it had happened a couple of years ago. And I, you know what, I was also so grateful. Like if that had happened, if corona had happened in the first three years of igloo when I was in my 20s I don't know if I would have um, survived so that's what makes me sad for other businesses that may not be in the same position that we were that I just sort of thought gosh we're just the timing of things were just very very lucky and um, yeah in that your online store was up and running is that sort of what you mean by lucky? Yeah, and we yeah that we did have an online store and and that we had an an engaged audience on um, social media because that's just like totally vital to I think running a business in this day. And, and you obviously don't take that for granted, you know, having the hundred k. No, like you no. know how big that no, is. <laughs> it's um, yeah. I, I feel so lucky that it's actually a tool that we're able to use in our business. Like if we did, if it didn't exist, we wouldn't have the business that we have today. So no, I, I um, I was even talking to Rachel Castle about it, and we we're just saying how much we actually love it. Like I do, I find it's stressful as well that it just goes on. Even when I get home, it's still going. My Instagram's just still going, and that it does feel a bit unrelenting. But, you know, you're able to, you know, pivot and do things like so easily for no money and and have access to people in a way that's like inspiring rather than really pushy-pushy. I think, um, yeah, it's super valuable. 
Mm. Do you try to move your followers off the platform though, say onto an email list or anything like that, or um, you feel okay with them all being there on the one platform? Having a um, newsletter list is so valuable to any business. I think when I started Igloo, I used to get everyone's postal address. Like it just cream. I just think, oh my god, <laughs> and I could really only send out. Um, two postcards twice a year to say I was on sale and that's all I could afford because you know with the postage and then the printing and the you know as as you kept building your audience your mailing list it got more and more expensive and oh just terrible anyway but then um you know a fashion brand that I talk to regularly she says I wish I could send out a newsletter twice a day, three times a day if I could because she's like, that is our biggest income stream, like just your press send and the money comes in. But I also think that, you know, you need to be giving your audience a reason to be opening that newsletter. Like everyone has to be interesting or inspiring or a good deal or something like you want to and you want to reward people for staying on that list like I you know I find emails so overwhelming that you know if I get an email from a newsletter from someone it's because I really love them so I think you have to reward people for being on your newsletter list but you also have to give them a reason to open it um, and be creating interesting things but yet I don't think you can rely hundred percent on Instagram in that it keeps changing all the time and I know you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket as well but it is just such an easy way to access people in that I find sales are quite easy to do off Instagram but I think having people's newsletter information is something so valuable um that shouldn't be taken for granted because people are really getting, um, you know, they're not getting many newsletters from, they, I mean, they're getting a lot of newsletters. So you've got to make sure yours is the one that they keep getting and that you keep giving them something. Adding value in there somewhere for them. Yeah, which is really important. It's hard because we're all so time poor, aren't we? I know I'm like, I'm like the two minute tourist that's just, you know, whizzing through things (laughs) a little bit, but, um, yeah. Uh, well, um, I'm glad you're on Instagram because you do bring uh, lots of joy and colour to my feed and um, I love that you show up. You're authentically you. I haven't met you in person, Pip, but I just imagine that you are as you are on Instagram. Oh, so nice. I think that's a beautiful thing. And as I said, I look through all the tagged images, uh, so those that tag jumbled um, on their photos and so many people talk about you being an inspiring person and and someone that lights them up especially those in uh, in the art community so um, yeah how does that make you feel knowing that you inspire so many people I feel I think that's lovely but I also feel sometimes like a little bit fraudulent in a way that I think like I'm probably not happy all the time um but I get a lot of joy from work. And I think, you know, I was saying to my, my son was asking me this this morning who was the most famous person in Orange and I was saying, oh, it's probably the 10-pin bowler that wins all the things in um, in America. And he's like, yeah, famous people are really busy, aren't they? And I was like, I just think, and I was like, it's actually better, I think, to be kind rather than famous. And he was like, oh, Really? No, mate. Like, yes, yeah, really busy. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think, I think being kind and sharing the work of others has probably been um, my favourite part of all of this. That helping other people along their their journey as well, because I know the power of you know even someone sharing a picture of yours on Instagram can really um, help you along your career as such yeah so that I, I love discovering new people and new designers and things like that so 
Yeah, that's very nice of you to say, but I do feel a little bit fraudulent, you know. I don't dance around all day long. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, finally, can you tell me about a friend that you have that we need to know about? I am going to tell you about, can I tell you about two people? Of course. So one person would be Kate Quinn. And she's an artist in Brisbane that we've just, um, she just won our Jumbled Art Superstar comp. And um, she's a a mum and has only just started painting like properly since isolation. Like she's always painted, but like properly, properly giving it a go. And um, I was just drawn to her work straight away. And I think following her journey is going to be really interesting this year as we mentor her and she's like so eager and so um, she's just been like literally painting up a storm. So I think that's really exciting. And my other friend would be um, Edwina Bartholomew who's on telly so you maybe know her but that she's got this beautiful accommodation called Baramba in the Capity Valley this own like um, old colonial sort of building, a settler's cottage, I think. And um, I just think when all of this um, isolation and lockdowns all over, I think people should get out and visit a regional town or a place. And I think Ramba is like the most beautiful place you could stay for the weekend and the sunsets there are like phenomenal but yeah so come to orange and then go the capity valley because it's really um really beautiful so yeah they're my two people lovely i'll add it to the list for sure well thank you pip for sharing your story and knowledge with us i cannot wait for the opportunity to travel and visit orange and yeah look forward to seeing you add some color to my feed every day i open up instagram oh thank you so much for having me it's been lovely thank you you're welcome Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine. <laughs>